These have been some of those harder weeks. You know, you get those every once in a while. Um, Barb Fisher's mother-in-law went into hospice uh, during one of these recent Fridays, uh, on uh, Friday morning, and uh, she passed before the day was over. Even She wasn't even in there 24 hours. Um, I received news also. My oldest sister fell. It's the third time in... Uh, uh, in about a month, and has two black eyes, uh, and uh, you know she was just healing from the other black eyes from the fall. Uh, and then we received news: Linda's uh, sister-in-law went into hospice, uh, and just a few days later, uh, yesterday morning, uh, she passed and went into uh, glory. Uh, I saw Barb Fisher on Tuesday. And as we were talking, she said to me, she said, um, I don't think it's going to be as long as they said. You know, and I just was. Um, and then we, we received some news that a friend of Marcy's, um, who we've known since she was in high school, um, And her cancer has advanced uh, beyond the point that doctors can uh, do anything, um, you know, do anything to help her. Um, and as Ginny and I were praying together on Tuesday night, I, uh, I realized um, how many people we're praying for that have reached the end of their doctor's knowledge. How many people that we've been praying for were, you know, they've hit, they've hit the end of what can be done for them uh, here on this earth. Um, now, you know, you may not be facing life-ending situation, um, but we all have those times in our life where life is hard, where we feel like we are we are facing overwhelming circumstances, and sometimes it's hard, excruciatingly hard. Uh, the band R.E.M. Uh, has a song called Everybody Hurts. Now, I'm not recommending the band, but um, the song hits the nail on the head. You know, everybody hurts sometimes. An Irish priest sang the song on Britain's Got Talent, and uh, he really captured the thrust of the passage that we're looking at today. Um, I want you to watch the video of him singing. I want you to realize today the truth of the comment he said when he was done singing. You're not alone. Let's pray. Father, we know that to be true. We've seen it in our lives. And we see it in your word. I pray that you help us today to see it even more clearly. The reality of what it means to have this relationship with you where we are not alone. Guide us as we look into your word. Again, we thank you for the gift of it. Apply it to our lives now, we ask. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to be in Psalm 23, uh, verse 4. We're... 
last week, last week we began Psalm 23. We looked at the first three verses. And as we were looking at those first three verses, we saw that the Lord himself, you know, Yahweh himself, the self-existent one, uh, the creator, the sustainer of all that exists, you know, the one who is in no way dependent on anyone or anything else, you know, that covenant God who reaches out in love because he himself is love, you know, the one who, although he doesn't need me or any of us, he still chooses to reach out to us. He still chooses to have a relationship with us. The one who came to earth, took on flesh, and gave his life on the cross for my sin. This Lord is my shepherd, the good shepherd. You know, the, the first three verses, that sermon's online if you, if you missed it and you want to listen to it. Uh, we're only going to get through one more verse today, verse 4, but I want to look at it in context. So we're going to start reading at verse 1, just the first four verses of Psalm 23. Next week, my plan is that next week we'll finish this psalm up. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now the translation most of us are familiar with from verse 4 is that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, both translations, the Holman Christian that I read and, and what we're used to, you know, from the King James uh, version there, that, you know, both of those have a bit of the picture. Uh, that, that valley of the shadow of death, it's one Hebrew word, and, and the word means deep darkness, it, it, you know, or deep shadow, and came to be used as, as the death shadow or the shadow of death, as you see here. Um, and I have taught before, I've taught on this psalm, and I've used this psalm, um, you know, in, in funerals and other places. And I mentioned the fact that a shadow cannot hurt you. You know, a shadow is a scary place to be oftentimes, but a, a shadow really can't hurt you. And now while those things are true of shadows, and we can take comfort in that, that really is not the correct interpretation of this verse. You know, that, that's, not, that, that, that's not really the thrust here. The focus here is not on the quality of shadows. That's not what, what, what it's focused on. The phrase here, it actually focuses on how our shepherd leads. That's what he's looking at here, how our shepherd leads. This is a continuation of his leading that started back in verse 2 where it says, He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake, even though I go through the darkest valley. Now, you know, that's a, notice what he says there. It's when I go through the darkest valley, not if. There's not a question about it there. Jesus told us, he said, you know, in this world you will face tribulation. You will face trouble. He said that that is going to happen. Dark valleys will come. They are not abnormal. Okay, realize that it is not abnormal at all that you be that you find yourself in the in this dark valley. You are not a lousy Christian, you know, because you have trouble. 
You know, because troubles come into your life, that doesn't mean you're a lousy Christian. It means you are a normal Christian. Trials, dark valleys, they are a part of life. They are a part of living. They are part of, of what we go through. But still, that dark valley is a picture of the Good Shepherd leading us. In Matthew chapter 14, as Jesus is with his disciples and, and they're ministering, there, he says, immediately he made the disciples get into a boat. After a time of meeting, after a time which he fed, you know, 5,000, immediately he made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to the other side. He made them get into the boat and go to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already over a mile from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. The disciples were in the midst of a storm here. They were in the midst of a storm which was beating them, which was battering them, and they were in the midst of the storm precisely because they did what Jesus told them to do. They were in the midst of that storm precisely because they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They went exactly where he told them to go. And this is not the only time they faced a situation like this. In Mark chapter 4, it says, On that day when evening had come, he told them, okay, he told them, he gives them this instruction. He says to them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd, took him along since he was already in the boat. I, that phrase just like he was already, what were you going to just, well, he's in the boat, let's take him. Anyway, uh, it says, and then the other boats were with him. A fierce storm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. Uh, there was, was on, the, on the news uh, this week, a, 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 a ferry, a, a tour ferry in was it in the Bahamas or something and it sank and they had the pictures on there you know and the people are jumping off and that thing just a whoop and it, I mean it went down you know and so here the, you know their, their picture and it, this boat was already being swamped but he was in the stern sleeping on a cushion so they woke him up and said to him teacher don't you care that we're going to die these are experienced men. These are fishermen who have been out on that water, who know how to, how to be able to battle that storm, who know, how, you know, when, you know what they need to do to make it through, and who know that when it gets so bad, we may not make it through. You know, and, and this is the situation that's there, and this is the picture of the darkest valley. It's more than simply a bad day. That phrase speaks of a situation where there is no way of escape. It is a literal life and death situation. It is not one in which where we say, oh, well, I thought I was going to die. It's one where I thought I was going to die. Where that is a reality. Not just an expression that said, you know, to emphasize that, oh, it was really bad. You know, that's not, it, it, it was, it's something that, that is trying to get across the fact that this is a life or death situation. And notice, one we're in, not because of any sin on our part. Now, you know, I, you know, uh, um, 
Sometimes life's hard because we're stupid. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but we may have already crossed that line. Uh, you know, sometimes life's hard because we do stupid things. You know, and, and you know, and you do stupid things. You can expect sometimes to get hurt. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember. Well, I remember bungee jumping, and as I was bungee jumping, and I'm falling, you know, doing that free fall until hopefully the cord grabs a hold and I thought to myself, you're on your own, buddy. God's not going to help you do stupid things. You know, and, and, uh, but that's not the situation here. The situation is, is not, you know, not that, that, that there's any sin on, on our part. You know, we were simply following the good shepherd and the Lord, we're following the Lord and yet we find ourselves in the midst of tragedy. We haven't left those paths of righteousness which he leads us down and talks about in verse 3. We haven't left those paths. You know, sometimes the darkest valley is exactly where the paths of righteousness are located. Sometimes that is exactly where they're located. But realize, you know, it is not possible for God's person to be facing death. It is not possible for God's person to be in the darkest valley that is outside of God's will. I didn't say it's impossible for you to be in that darkest valley. What I'm saying is, if you are walking with God and following God and you find yourself in that darkest valley, that is not outside of God's will. Sometimes we think it's outside of God's will because, you know, everything's, everything's not, just, just not, a, not a ton of fun. Notice what it says here. When we go through, through the darkest valley. God leading this way might not fit your theology. It may not fit your understanding of how God works, but it needs to be there. You know, it needs to be there. Because if God is not in, if God is not in charge of that valley that you're in, how could He ever get you through it? You see, if it's not part of His leading, how could He ever get you through it? If it's just by you know random chance or something that you're in there, it is very much sometimes it is very much a part of God's leading. And realizing that that's how we get to the place where I fear no danger. You know, he says, uh, you know, as I go through that, I, I fear no danger. You know, and it's not that we're, you know, it's not that we're dim-witted dobblewompers here, you know, and just kind of bobble along, you know. And that, uh, you know, it's the contentment that comes from resting in the providence of God. Knowing that he is in control, confident that he is control in control and that he knows best. I, I see this so clearly in Barb as she goes through her cancer. You know, go visit her, you'll be encouraged. I see it very clearly there. I see it in Mo as she adjusts to the, to the, to the continual change in her health and continues to serve God. You know, just a couple of weeks she was she was downstairs helping and leading the ladies, you know, with with the craft night. 
You know, I see it in Max when he continues, you know, to keep coming despite the pain, and you know, doesn't doesn't he, he chooses not to be a hermit. He chooses not to be a recluse. I fear no danger. It's knowing. It is knowing that the providence of God will lead us to pain, just as purposefully as He leads us to pleasure. That that pain and, and those troubling times, that dark valley, that that often has a, as much of a purpose, sometimes more of a purpose in our life than the good times because we learn some things in the pain and in those struggles that we would never learn any other way. That we would never learn without that. After, after the surgery I had, and um, I, I told you, you know, that I, it was just some of the worst pain I've ever been in in my life, and I don't say that lightly. And as I was, as I was laying there, and it was the only time that I have ever had where my entire body was racked with, with just the pain and the response to that pain. It's like every muscle in my body was reacting to that. And I remember as it subsided, and I remember rolling over into bed. And realizing, Lord, you went through something worse than this on the cross for me and there was no relief it didn't let up there are some things that God teaches us when we go through these times that we'd never learn any other way he has a purpose when he leads us there now, make no mistake, God is never the author of evil. You know, that's not what we're talking about here. He is never the cause of evil. But even when it does happen, even when evil comes, God is still, we, we can still be in that providence of God. Remember Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things... All things, every single thing, works together for the good of those who love God who are called according to his purpose. All things, God can, even the evil, others that God may allow others to bring into our lives. How was Jesus killed? He was killed on a cross because of the request and the insistence of evil men who continued to demand his death of the Roman leader. A horrible, unjust act. And God used that for our good. 
in our life, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He leads us through the darkest valley. That valley is not the destination, but it certainly might be part of the journey. You know, it might be part of that journey, but it's not the destination. The road is only passing through. We are not walking. We are not, we are not residing in the valley. We are going through the valley. And we're safe if we're on the good shepherd's path. Because you see, what he points out to us here is that where the shepherd is, where the shepherd leads, that is also where the shepherd is. Even though, you know, even in that darkest valley, you're not alone. He says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. He does not send us off on our own. You know, he, he, he doesn't point us in the right direction and then send us out and say, it's over that way. You know, he, he, he doesn't send us out and say, well, I'll t- tell you what, I'll see you on the other end. You know, that, that isn't what he does. He goes with us. The reason we can walk through that darkest valley and not fear is because we know we do not walk it alone. For you are with me. When you are on the right path, when you are on the righteous path, as he talks about, you know, in in those verses preceding this, when you're on that path, you are never alone. Did you notice the the change in the wording here as we get to verse 4? Look at verses 1 through 3. In verses 1 through 3, he talks about he leads and my. He talks about he and me and my. Here, when you get to verse 4, it transitions to you and I. You know, he, he makes a transition here. We move from hearing about the shepherd to now talking with the shepherd, addressing him directly. It is an intimate deepening of the relationship here with God. You know, it, it, it is, it's not that the presence of the shepherd removes evil. It, you know, the presence of the shepherd doesn't remove evil. The presence of the shepherd doesn't remove the darkness. What it is, he's there with us. The comfort comes, you know, he says, for, for, because you are with me. Because you are with me. It is his very real, it is a very real evil and it's a very real present darkness and the comfort is the presence of our good shepherd in the midst of that, a very real presence of our Lord, a very real presence of our shepherd. You know, it, it, is, it is comfort in the danger, not a removal, not a removal of it that makes the difference. We want it removed. He wants us to see him. He wants us to walk with him. Some of you have heard this story of one of my pranks that I did while we were in living in Riverdale. We lived in the in the church building. They had converted some of the rooms in the back, some of the Sunday school classrooms, they converted into an apartment where we lived. And my office was, it was like, you know, if it was here, the, the classrooms were in the back, and that's, we lived in some of those classrooms, and our apartment was, uh, our apartment was back there, and my office was 
it was in the sanctuary off to the side in the corner in the back. And between those two, there were different heating systems and stuff. So in between those two, there was a bifold door uh, that kind of, you know, helped to keep the heating back and, you know, cooler in front. Well, um, I was working in the office one night, and I heard Mandy and her friend leave the apartment and start heading down toward, toward my office. And being the loving dad that I am, I left my office, and I went out, and I stood on the in the dark on that si- other side of that bifold door. And they come down chattering, you know, two little little girls chattering away. And they open that door and I roared at them as that door opened up. And they screamed, you know, and they're screaming, why? And I can still see them, their little feet dancing. Ah, they're screaming. And Mandy realized it was me. And as she realized it was me, she made a beeline for me and wrapped her arms around my, around my waist and just had a bear lock on me you know, like crazy, screaming the whole time. Because she knew that even though I was the cause of that fear, I was also the one that she wanted to be with. I was also the one that she knew that, that, that she needed you know, to have there you know, for, for that protection. You know, I fear no danger, for you are with me, it says. The point in verse 4 is, is not that the darkest valley really isn't that bad. You know, it's not, not, the, not the fact that shadows don't really hurt. That's not the point of it there. The point is the presence of the Lord. The point is our good shepherd is that real and he is that important. I fear no danger for you are with me. The presence of the shepherd makes a very real difference. It makes a difference to know that he is there with us. And how he leads, it's not separated from where he is, with me. He is with me. You know, the darkest valley, that's, that, that's a place of, uh, of great, uncommon, real distress, real trouble, but the presence of the Lord, my shepherd, is just as real. Just as real. Jesus, you know, God himself came to live with his people. In Matthew chapter 1, he says, we're, we're told, you know, familiar verse, you know, we're getting into, into the, you know, Advent season. See, the virgin will become pregnant and will give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. God himself is with us. With us. John, the first chapter it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and took up residence among us, tabernacled among us. That word means tabernacled, which doesn't mean too much to us. You know, but to them, it was like, dude, dude he's living with us. You know, he, he came and tabernacled among us. We observed his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. A little bit later, at the other end of his ministry, it says, Jesus is talking with his followers, and he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. To be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him, 
or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you. He remains with you and will be in you. And just before he was resurrected and, excuse me, was ascended, he was already resurrected, he ascended, but just before he ascends, he says, and remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you always. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord, your shepherd, is with you. That final phrase in verse 4 there, it tells us what the shepherd holds. Your rod and your staff. The rod of a shepherd is not a walking stick. It is a rather formidable weapon. They would use the rod to fend off enemies, and it wasn't just poke them away. Um, some of the rods that, that, you know, that they, well, even still use, uh, some of them are more like, think of it more like a club, you know, a long club. And, uh, you know, in Jesus' day, they would even embed, embed metal into it so that it was, you know, so that when they hit, when they hit a wolf or they used to have, I don't know if there's still lions there when Jesus was alive, but when David was there, there were, anyway, uh, you know, but to fend off wolves and, and, they, and, and because it was meant it was meant to do serious harm, and this is the picture. This is the picture of what he what he talks there when he's talking about the rod. It's used to protect the sheep from all enemies, whatever enemies would come. You know, don't mistake that you know the tenderness and love of God for weakness. Don't mistake that for weakness in protecting His people. He, told us, he tells us, he says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I will give them eternal life and they will never perish ever. No one's able to snatch them out of my hand. If someone were trying to take my wife or my kids from me as I was there, I would either get them back or it would be the last thing I did on this earth. Because there would be no way they're going to hurt them with me there. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. You see, he's not going to lose. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. John chapter 17, he says, While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name, so that the name you have given me. I guarded them. Not one of them is lost except the son of destruction, so that the scriptures may be fulfilled. I protected them. I guarded them. Not one was lost. We are safe because of who the shepherd is, because of who God is, because of what he does, not because of who we are, not because of what we do. We are safe because of who God is and because of what he does. Now the staff, you know, you're riding your staff. The staff is used to direct, to round up the sheep, to pull them back in. 
uh, you know, the rod defends, the staff is used in caring for the sheep, in, in directing them, pulling them back, pulling them back to the shepherd. You know, uh, you know we need God's staff. We, we need that, you know, for clarity and directing us, for pulling us back when we wander. I want him prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. You know, that, that, that staff pulls us back, you know, pulls us back in. He pulls us closer to himself, you know, when we begin to wander. He does this through his word, you know, he uses his word and, and draws us to himself and we begin to see ourselves in it and we come back. He does this through our gatherings together as a church and as we gather together as a church, you know, he uses that ministry of the body to pull us back in. He does it through caring friends who come alongside and encourage us. Sometimes they don't even know, they don't even know that we need that encouragement. Sometimes they do and they step in and help. You know, he does this through a loving spouse. He does this through parents. He does this through siblings who care and want, the, you know, and, and want, want you know, their, their, their child, their, their, you know, their, their spouse, they want their, their brother or sister, they want them to come to the Lord. He loves us too much to leave us alone. He loves us too much to leave us unprotected. He loves us too much to leave us wander. And in that you should find comfort. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Where might God be pulling you closer to himself? Where is it that you've maybe started to wander a little bit? Where have maybe you misunderstood his leading as not caring or troubles as thinking that he has abandoned you. Our good shepherd is also our close companion. The Lord, Yahweh himself, the self-existent one, this person is my shepherd the one who cares for me, you know, because of who he is. Therefore, I lack nothing. In his provision, he lets me lie down in abundant green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He lovingly renews my life. He continually leads me along right paths. Those in line with his word, those in line with his character. He does it for his namesake because he is God. And even when following his leading, even when doing what he knows is the best, that I end up going through the deepest, darkest valley, I fear no danger for you. My loving, caring shepherd are with me. Your rod of protection, your staff of guidance, they comfort me, drawing me closer to you, making me more aware of your presence. Draw closer to him. Realize his presence. Understand his love. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. You're not alone. You are not alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence with us.
we do say thank you for guiding us <coughs> sometimes into those tough spots. We don't like it. We don't like the darkest valley. Remind us of your presence. Remind us that we are never alone. When we walk with you, we are not alone. Thank you for being our good shepherd and our close companion. Amen.